King of Kings, it's great to be together with you again tonight. And a special greeting to our King of Kings family, those of you that are living here in Jerusalem and in Israel. And, and just a, a quick message to say we love you. We miss getting to see your faces. And we're looking forward in uh, any day now to be able to come back together and to break bread together, to worship together, to be able to hug on each other's necks, though that's probably not very COVID appropriate. We're looking forward to being together with you. And even though that phrase out of sight, out of mind is often said, you're out of, out of sight, but you're not out of mind. In fact, you're at the forefront of our hearts. We continue to pray and believe that God is doing good things in your life. And we're looking forward as God brings us back together to meet together personally in, in a physical way. And then we want to also welcome our online friends, those that are joining us from around the world in different countries. We are honored, truly, that you would come and spend this time together with us. And we've been able to meet several of you online, either in our online community group or in our discipleship classes over the last several weeks. And we love you. It's fun to put faces together with names. And so you're also in our hearts and in our minds. And we're just honored that we can have a family that's broad and deep here in Jerusalem and around the world. Some of the countries that are joining us tonight are Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Canada, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Holland, India, Ireland, Norway, Philippines, Portugal, Poland, Seychelles, Singapore, South Africa, Sweden, United Kingdom, and United States. And all of those people that are represented in those countries, we love you. We're so glad to be able to be together with you again tonight. And we're just praying that God's going to speak to each one of our hearts and, and reveal to us deep truths about his word tonight. So my question for us as we start tonight is, if you scan all of the different relationships that are part of your life, your circle of friends, your family, coworkers, people that you go to school with, all of the different relationships, who is that one person, or maybe it's more than one person's, who is that person where you go to talk, where you can be yourself, where you can uh, take off that mask, not the blue mask that we all are wearing, that mask that we put on every day as we step out of our houses and we begin to uh, go out into life. But with this person, you can take that mask off and there's no pretense there's no positioning. You're, you're able to just share your heart. And you're able to communicate deep, personal things about life and about God and about who you are with that one person. Maybe it's more than one person. Who is that person that uh, it just clicks? You, you, you can be away from each other for a long period of time, maybe days or weeks, maybe even years, but as soon as you're back together with them, it just clicks and you, and you dive right back into deep relationship with them. And you're able to communicate about everything and anything. Who is that person? Maybe it's persons. For most of us, the truth is, uh, in our lifetime, we'll probably only have a few close intimate relationships like that with other people. 
It isn't going to be a long list of people where we can go and be refreshed each time we're together with them. It's just going to be a few that we're able to, to go to, and every time we're there, we can go deep. It's not that we go deep every time that we're with them, but we can, in an instant, go deep and share our hearts, and we don't have any fear of what they're thinking about us. We're not worried about their impression of us. We're just ourselves. When I think about it in my life, there's really only three people that kind of fit that bill. My very first best friend was my brother, Tony. Tony and I are that kind of relationship where we literally talk about everything and anything. There is nothing that's off, off limits. We talk about each other's wives and our relationships and our relationship with God, our finances. We talk about our, our, our fears and our, our uh, apprehensions. We talk about our sins. This is that kind of relationship. That other relationship in my life is my next best friend, which uh, was my college friend from, from those years, is still my best friend today, Dwayne. Dwayne and I were able to develop this great relationship. And it's that kind of relationship where it can go many, many weeks and months without actually physically seeing each other. But as soon as we're together, we can begin to talk. We text each other almost every day, still to today about silly things, but about life. And, and I have that kind of relationship with Dwayne. And then, of course, my best, best friend, my BFF, my wife, Melissa. We've been married. Next month, it'll be 28 years. And we actually only got married when we were about 12 years old. So I'm just kidding. Actually, my, my wife and I have that kind of relationship. There is nothing that we don't talk about. Now, we don't go deep all of the time, but I know that I'm safe there. And she knows that hopefully she's safe with me as well. We can share our fears, our concerns. We can share our stupid ideas. And we, we don't have to worry about what the other person is thinking about us. It might be surprising for some of us to realize, and maybe you've never thought about it, but God has actually created us to be like that, to be in deep, intimate relationship. Not that we're going to be that with everybody, but God's created us with a few for a re deep relationship with a few people and with himself. And isn't this what we're really looking for in life is to know another and to be known, to know another, to know them intimately and deeply, and then to be known by them. This is actually a driving force behind many of the different kinds of relationships that we have. It's that driving force in our relationship with our spouse if we're married. It's that driving force in our relationship with our best friend if we're not married. I like to think of it this way, that part of how we've been created, each one of us have this connecting part on the inside that is designed to connect with that connecting part of another person on their inside sort of like these lego blocks guys you can throw that picture up these lego blocks are blocks are connecting have connecting points designed on them so that they easily can connect with another lego block but when we look at these uh, these legos here especially this pile of legos it just reminds us that we're designed to connect. These Legos are designed to connect. 
They're not designed to just lay there in a pile. They're designed to actually build with. And so then we get this picture of the Legos after they are connected. This is what God's designed for us. He wants us to have deep connecting relationship with him and with other people. It's an amazing God design that he uses to build marriages, to build families, to build community, to build kingdom, to build his family, his eternal family. God uses these connecting points to build family. It's interesting, this season that we're living in, it feels like everything around us is pushing that connecting of, of, of relationship with other people out of our lives and away from us so that we can't seem to find ways that we can connect. And so I want to encourage us, body of Yeshua, that we fight for those relationships. Not that we fight against the regulations, not that we're pushing against the rules, but that we, that we fight to keep healthy, good relationships with other people and with God because that's the way that we've been designed. We're not designed for a solitary life. And this is where the enemy wants us to go. This is where he wants to take us so that he can do his dark, his work in the darkness away from other people. Peter latches on to this, this idea of connectivity when he describes us as living stones that God uses to, to construct his spiritual and his eternal house, a building where where we are worshiping him, a building where our lives are worshiping him through our sacrifices. When we think of building with stones, it's almost never thought of, of building stones where they're not connected to one another, where they're, where they're uh, not strengthening one another. When we're building with living stones, there's two interactive parts that have to be there. So when we think of that connecting part on the inside of us, that, that Lego dot that's designed to connect with another person, there are two components, two interactive things that are at work all the time to make relationship happen. One of those components is closeness or proximity and, and being near to. So when we look at a pile of stones that's being built into a building, it's impossible to build when those stones are stacked too far away from each other. If they're a meter apart, you can't build with them. Even if they're 10 centimeters apart, you can't build with them. Stones, when they're building a building, are, are stacked side by side, tight, hugging one another, top to bottom, bottom to top, side by side, squished together so that in this design, God actually creates us as living stones to have relationship. This is where relationship happens in proximity, close to another person, close to him and close to others. Relationship doesn't happen at a distance. You've probably heard the saying it, that a relationship, uh, long distance relationships don't work. Well, it's true. They don't work. Now, some of them have worked, and I know some of you have stories of long distance relationships, but in general, relationship is designed for proximity and for closeness, for nearness. Long distance doesn't work. 
Just like the stones, 10 meters apart or 10 centimeters apart. You can't build that way. It doesn't work. It's almost impossible. God's designed relationship with proximity in mind, intimacy happens because of location. Location matters. With God, it's location, location, location. That's where relationship happens. And so when God chose to dwell with us, when he chose to dwell with his people, he chose a place of closeness. He chose a place of nearness. Moses describes God's character this way to Israel's children as they're standing on the Jordan River. They're getting ready to go in and to take possession, to conquer this land of Canaan. And Moses describes God's character to them this way. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 7, he says, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near to them the way the Lord, our God, is near to us whenever we pray to him? What a powerful statement. The message version says it this way, What other great nation has gods that are intimate with them the way God, our God, is with us always ready to listen to us. The common English version says it this way, and what makes us greater than any other nation? We have a God who is close to us and answers our prayers. That's God. God could have chosen any place to dwell with his people, most of us think that he should have chosen something farther away from us because he's not like us. He's holy. He's separate. And yet God chose to get down in the dirt with his creation to become like them. We see this in the form of Yeshua as he became like a man and came down to our level. And see, it's this choice, this decision of God to get down with his people, to come into relationship by coming near to us, that is our best evidence that he desires to have and to be in relationship with us. Close enough so that he can hear our prayers. When we want to communicate something intimate with someone, we don't stand on the corner and shout it out we pull them close and especially if it's our close friend or our spouse a child we pull them close and we whisper the truth in their ear this is what God's done he's drawn close so that we might not miss one thing that he has to say and so that he won't miss one thing that we have to say which then opens up the second component. When we talk about those Legos and those, those connecting points, that other component that has to be there for relationship to take place, to, 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 to be developed and to be strengthened, is communication. Communication is that verbal uh, interacting with other people where we use words to express our feelings and our desires and our fears where we expose the depths of our heart by using words and communicating with another person or with God. Communication is that tool or that ability that God has designed us with 
for the very purposes of connecting then with him and with other people. It's where relationship is birthed and developed and strengthened because we were created, Genesis says, in his image. He's relational. And so he created us relationally so that we can connect with him and with other people. And the two things that we have to have always for relationship to happen are nearness, proximity or closeness, and verbal communication. God uses those to build and to strengthen ever-growing, deepening, intimate relationship. See, ultimately his desire, besides giving us the ability to connect with other people in our lives, is that desire to have intimate, personal relationship with you and with me. This is his motivation. This is his desire, and it only makes sense. If we look at ourselves, if we look at creation and how he's created men and women, he would have not created us as unique, individual, one-of-a-kind persons if he was just going to do mass communication, one message for all. No, he's looking for that unique one-on-one personal relationship where we grow and develop in deeper intimacy with him. Pastor, Pastor Chad said it at the beginning of our series on magnetism that when we first come to know the Lord, we don't really know him. We don't know all there is to know about him. We know some things about him. But then God's designed this process where over a a period of time, over our lifetime, as we continue to walk with him, as we continue to go through different experiences in life, we begin to know him. Piece by piece, that that picture is developed and we're able to see this great and, and awesome God But we don't know him when we first come into relationship. And and then he's designed that over a period of time, we're able to step into intimate relationship with him. That's what he desires. But too many people struggle with this idea. I've had too many conversations with people who say, hey, how could God want to have a relationship with me? God, the, the, the creator of the universe, holy God, he he can't possibly want to be in relationship with me. I'm not holy. I'm a mess up. I I don't have anything that I can bring to that relationship. Why in the world would he want to have a relationship with me? And yet, David saw it. King David describes for us our God-crafted position with the Creator in the vastness of all of his creation, listen to how he describes who we are and our position with God. This is Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 9. David's looking at all of creation and he says this to God. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers and hands, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them yet you've made them just a little lower than the angels and and you crowned them with glory and honor and you made them rulers over the works of your hands you put everything under their feet 
all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, oh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See our position with God? We're God's managers. We're the managers of God's properties. We're the managers of God's project and the managers of his power here on earth. He has put all things under our feet. Paul says to the Ephesians, for we are God's handiwork created in Messiah Yeshua to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The message version says it this way. He created each of us by Yeshua, the Messiah, to join him in his work, the work he does, the good work he's gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. We rule over God's affairs here on earth. Here in this time, in this space, we are his managers, carrying out his amazing world redemption plan. We're the ones that are doing it physically on the earth. And he is our supervisor, if you will, the chief architect of this amazing worldwide salvation. As a great supervisor and, and what we would expect, he wants and needs and is desiring, he's looking for daily meetings and conversations, multiple connection points with us, with his managers, each day, throughout the day, not just one here and there, but continually so that he can continue to hear from us. He needs to hear from us what's going on. And so that we can hear from him. He wants to be able to give us further instructions and directions. He wants to hear our progress and our daily needs. He wants to give to us the, those things that we need, the, the needed inspiration or additional equipment that we need to do his work. While he hears from us our requests and our struggles and our fears and our issues that we're dealing with as we're doing his kingdom building work. He wants big communications and he wants little communications and everything else in between back and forth with him as our supervisor. And I get this picture of, of uh, uh, an earthly supervisor or a, our spouse or our, our teacher and we're constantly texting back and forth important information. We're trying to get to know their heart and we're trying to do what they've asked us to do. or We're trying to communicate what we want somebody else to do. And so we're texting and emailing back and forth. And, and personally, I'll have multiple texts in one day. And God's looking for that kind of relationship. The Bible talks about it as prayer without ceasing, continual communication. Sometimes it's big and important and sometimes it's menial. God, help me find a parking spot. But it's communication, it's development of relationship with our supervisor, with our God. See, God isn't interested in a one-way conversation where he just tells us what to do, and we go and we do it. Ultimately, God's end goal isn't about the job getting done. Yes, he's our supervisor. Yes, he's giving us instruction, but his end goal isn't the job being done. 
His end goal is the relationship. That relationship with you and that relationship with me. For him, it's all about the relationship. It's not about the work that's being done, though the work is important. The work is the relationship. So he's given us as his managers that need to have that ongoing, deep, intimate communication. He's given us the very best tools for relationship building. Tools that we, that we can rely on that aren't built on internet infrastructure. Tools that aren't limited to data amounts. Tools that never have equipment failure. What we're talking about is that powerful, ultra-reliable ultra tool of prayer. Prayer, because it comprises both of those components that we need to develop deep and personal, intimate relationship, communication, and nearness to God. God is near to his people. Both of those components are designed to bring intimacy and to bring relationship. But here's the thing about prayer. When it's all said and done, prayer is actually quite simple. It's not complicated at all. Too many people for too long have made too big of a deal about prayer and what it should look like and what it should do. And it has to be said a certain way with certain fancy words and it has to be a certain amount of time and it has to be done in certain locations by certain people wearing certain clothing or done with power and with passion and with deep intercession. And it's just not true. And it's complicated it so deeply that most people don't know where to stick their finger in and start praying. See, God has designed a tool that is not complicated. God has designed a tool that anyone can use. Actually, God's designed a tool that everyone can use. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're brilliant or whether you're, whether you're just a simpleton. It doesn't matter whether you're a spiritual giant or whether you're brand new in the walk of faith. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Yeshua. It doesn't matter how old you are, if you're old or if you're young. The tool is designed for anyone. The tool is designed for everyone to use, no matter where you're at. Listen to how Yeshua describes this simple tool of prayer to his disciples. He knew they needed it to be simple. He knew that we needed it to be simple. So he describes this tool of prayer for you and for me. And I want us to listen closely. I'm going to be reading it out of the message version just because it's so good. You can't not read it from here. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, Yeshua talking to his disciples says this, And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. 
find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play with God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can imagine. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. So the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, as so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you as we're forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You are ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Prayer. Prayer is designed to be simple. But at the same time, it's powerful as we communicate with our God, with our Father, with the supervisor of this great worldwide redemption that's taking place that we're a part of. And yet this simple tool... Sorry, I lost my notes. One second. And yet this simple tool is the most powerful, world-changing, kingdom-building, darkness-extinguishing, people-redeeming, freedom-proclaiming, situation-altering, hopelessness-repelling, strength-giving, eternal power tool of God. It is the tool that God uses through us. It's the tool that God uses through you and through me. He's not relying on another tool. Prayer is the tool that God uses to do his kingdom-building, people-freeing, darkness-destroying work. But too many believers look at prayer and they come and approach prayer as if it's an optional feature on the menu, kind of like nuts on my ice cream sundae at McDonald's. If it suits me, if I'm good at prayer, if I have all those fancy words and if I feel comfortable praying in front of other people, I'll use it. If I'm built for being an intercessor and I can just be on my hands and knees for hours and hours and hours, then I'm going to be a prayer. Otherwise, I'm not going to add it to my walk with the Lord. If I'm not good at it, or if I've failed at it before, 
or if I just haven't been able to stay on top of it every day for hours at a time, or if I just don't know, I don't have those fancy words, I don't know how to do it, if I'm not good at it, then it's not, I'm just not going to do it. It's optional. Friends, this life-giving power tool of God is not optional. It's not optional. If you're a believer, if you're walking with Yeshua, prayer is not an option. And we are without excuse. If we're not appropriating this tool in our lives, in our work, in our relationship with God, we're missing out on the power and the life that he's given to us to live in this day and in this hour. If we're not appropriating it in our lives. Charles Spurgeon put it this way as he described prayer. Many are the paths of the Lord which drop fatness or which give life to the believer. But an especial one is the path of prayer. No believer who is much in the closet will have need to say, my leanness, my leanness, woe to me. Starving souls live at a distance from the seed of mercy and become like the parched fields in times of drought. Prevalence with God in wrestling prayer is sure to make the believer strong, if not happy. Much alone with Yeshua and you will have much assurance. Little alone with Yeshua, your religion will be shallow polluted with many doubts and fears and not sparkling with the joy of the Lord. You see, I'm convinced. I'm going to say a very strong statement. I'm convinced what the world needs now isn't for us to have our precious worship services back where we can gather together and and love on one another and hug each other. Those certainly are important. But that's not what the world needs right now. See, God's world, his creation, the creation that we're managers of, is all whacked out. And see, God needs us, as his managers, to be on task with his plan, to be filled with his Direction to be filled with his instruction, to be filled with his power and inspiration and with his life. That's what the world needs. See, prayer isn't a, a task list, a checklist that we check off each day. And I'm saying that because that's how I approach it too often. I pray A, B, C. I prayed for my wife. I prayed for my children. I prayed for King of Kings. I prayed for Israel. A checklist, I'm done. Prayer is not a task list to check off. Prayer is not a trip to the God store to get the things that I need or that I want. Prayer isn't the rubbing of the genie bottle to get those things that I want. Prayer isn't only when I'm in difficult challenging seasons certainly it's for that but it isn't only for those seasons where i'm going through a difficult time prayer isn't something that we do only when we feel like it or when it's convenient 
prayer is that supernatural power tool designed for ordinary earth-dwelling humans like you and like me, for everyone to be able to connect with God and his eternal plans and with his power. Watchman Nee, the now famous Korean pastor, said of prayer, negligence in prayer withers the inner man. Negligence in prayer withers the inner man. Nothing can be a substitute for it, not even Christian work. Many are so preoccupied with work that they allow little time for prayer. Hence, they cannot cast out demons. Prayer enables us first inwardly to overcome the enemy and then outwardly to deal with him. Dear friends, please hear my heart. We are living at an incredible time in history. There's much to be done. And we're God's managers. God is inviting us, as Pastor Ray said last week, to come into deep, personal, intimate relationship with him, the supervisor, the big boss, the creator of this world and the creator of the plan to save the world, where we get to partner with him and all that he's doing in the earth today. And prayer is that magnet inside of us that draws us into God, that draws us into his will, that draws us into his plan, that draws us into his ways. Best of all, prayer is that magnet inside of us that draws us into his presence where we can be close together with him where real relationship is found, where real intimacy is developed. You see, knowing God will only happen in prayer. I want to say that again. Knowing God will only happen in prayer. Everything else is only knowing about God So I want to leave us all tonight with a challenge, myself included. This message is actually coming out of a challenge from the Lord. What he's said to me, that I need to step up my game in prayer. I need to. So I'm giving the message to you, but the challenge is a personal challenge from Yeshua to me. And I'm going to give us some homework because this is how I tick. We've all had our less than positive experiences with prayer. And I'd venture to guess that the majority of us that are listening to this message feel very weak in this area of prayer. Some of us feel like failures. We've tried and we've failed. And so we don't, we, we've set prayer to the side. It's an optional feature in our relationship with the Lord. 
I might pray at dinner time or I might pray for a parking space or when I'm going through a difficult time, that's when I appropriate this power tool because I don't know what else to do. Or I might pray for a, a situation at work but mostly I don't use it because I, I, I'm not strong in it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to make it a, a daily part of my relationship with Yeshua. But the good news is it's a simple tool. Anybody can use it. Even you. Even me. It's a tool just like every other tool that you've ever used in your life that with time, as you continue to use it, you get better at it. Whether it's the, the potato peeler, or it's the drill, or it's a, a tool for removing an engine from a car, any kind of tool that we've ever experienced or used before in the past, you get better at it with use. So I'm inviting us to do this. It's going to look a little bit different for each one of us. Because God's created us uniquely, we're different from one another. But this is what I'm going to invite us to do, and I'm asking myself the exact same thing. Would you begin daily asking our supervisor, our Father, the Master, Yeshua, to help you develop your skill in this area of prayer? And would you ask Him, to begin to remove the wrong ideas that you've built up about prayer. The things that are not true that have stopped you from actually using this tool. Would you ask him to, sh to show those things to you and, and remove them from your thinking? And then would you begin again practicing this tool daily? Again, it's simple. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be certain words. You don't have to be in a certain place. You know, I had a breakthrough in prayer personally in my life when I broke past this idea that I had to be at the side of my bed on my hands and my knees, crossed over my bed praying. Because I kept falling asleep. I kept feeling like I was a failure. So the way I pray, I go to the park and I walk and I pray and I'm in nature with God and, and I pray and I go to the exact same place where there's less distractions because it's new and I walk around the park and I pray and sometimes I have great breakthroughs sometimes I walk away and I'm not even sure that God heard me other than I, I know that his word tells me that he listened to me and then I guarantee you this the fruit is going to be seen quickly by you and by others, by your friends and your family and those that are near to you because prayer changes things. It, it never doesn't change things. But I'm going to challenge you with this. You need to write down how you're going to do this. Don't just say, I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going to change this or that got to write it down and put it someplace where you're going to see it and remind yourself and then start doing it. Make it real life homework because God wants a deep, intimate, personal relationship with you where all you have to do is say one word and you both know what 
you're talking about. He has to just give you that one glance, and you know what he's talking about. That's what he's looking for. And because our world needs us to be on task as God's managers. I'm going to end with these words from Corey ten Boom, the famous uh, survivor of the Holocaust, the Dutch woman who survived the Holocaust uh, as she helped Jewish families in Holland. This is what Corey says. The wonderful thing about praying is this, that you leave a world of not being able to do something and you enter God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power and nothing is too small for his love. God, we thank you for this amazing power tool that you've given to us. God, we're asking that you'd give us a new grace to embrace that tool one more time to pick it up because we want to be in deeper relationship with you and because we want to be good managers of your work Thank you for letting us be a part of that, and we need your help, Lord. So, Yeshua, we're looking to you tonight, and we ask God that you would give us each that grace in prayer this week. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. 